Hey, how you doing? Tyler Solberg with the Solberg Performance Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Modus Equipment and Design. If you need someone to provide you with equipment and design a home or a commercial gym space, give me a call. Thanks. Gosh. Yeah, I actually um, I actually went through before I jumped on the podcast with you. I'm like, I'm going to do a demo. So I sat there with my girlfriend. I'm like, please just make sure the mic works on the other end. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to have to do this a third time. I know. I'm like, I will, but I don't want to. I know. I know. I 100%. And <laughs> we already I'm, told people we were going to do it. So at this point, we don't have a choice. So, and the funny thing is, too, well, I mean, like in a really good way, I had yeah. probably like six or seven clients that were like, when is this podcast coming out? I need to listen yeah. to it right now. Like, I want to listen to it on like my Sunday walk. I'm like, um, so you'll get it next week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I said the same thing. Someone hit me up and they're like, yeah, I thought, I thought you had a few new people coming on this week. I'm like, I do. Uh, the first one just didn't work. So, uh, we're going to do it again. So exactly. Like, you'll get it next yes, week. But, so yeah, okay, for everybody. Yeah. yeah. So for everybody listening, Kelsey and I, uh, we, we tried to do a podcast last week. It went really great. <laughs> um, we'll do take two this week. Um, it's going to be I'm, even better actually. It's it'll be, be even better. better. Cause we got practice. Um, we did. And I think the thing is too, is, you know, I've known Kelsey quite a while now. Um, what I want to do today is kind of revisit some of the questions that we had from the take you guys aren't going to hear. Um, and I think we'll be able to expand on it even further than we did the first time we talked. Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. So if you're cool that I, I kind of want to go back to, I was, I was, I actually met Kelsey when I was a freshman at UWL in bio class. Um, and, and so I've known her quite a while. Um, but I think the last time that we had talked before we had redone this podcast was sometime around the time that you left UWL actually, and you were moving to Iowa, right? For chiropractic school. Chiropractic, Can you yeah. share with the audience a little bit about that? So, you know, you obviously start your college career at UWL, you yep. move into chiropractic school. How did that look for you? Yeah. Great question. First off though, I cannot believe that it was like 2018 when we met or, yeah probably 2018, 2019, something like that. That's so long ago. Yeah. Like thinking about that now, but so yeah, like Tyler said, I did my undergrad at UWL. I was an exercise science major and that's kind of what I came in with. And I always knew, and I was very fortunate to know from about the time that I was 18 years old, what I wanted to do as a career for the rest of my life, which was be a chiropractor. Sure. And with knowing that I knew, okay, you know, I've at least got four years of undergrad and then roughly four years of grad school, three and a half, but who's counting. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so I knew the path that I wanted to take, which is extremely helpful. And with all sure. of that being said, I found out and reached out to my grad school that I wanted to go to. And I said, Hey, you know, what are the requirements come here? Do I have to take the MCAT? You sure. know, what do I have to have for a GPA, all of that different stuff. And they said, well, actually, you know, what, what standing are you in school? I said, well, I'm a junior. Yeah. And they said, well, how many credit hours do you have? And at that point, I think I had over 120. So technically I could have graduated had I. Sure. And you, and you were grinding early on too, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like you always had a super heavy class load. Yeah. Super heavy class load. And, um, I also came in with credits too, yeah. which made a really big difference, sure. but they told me they're like, well, you can come here with only having 90 credits and you can finish your undergrad degree at the same time as finishing your graduate degree. Sure. And I just looked at them with this blank stare on my face and said, well, when can I apply? Yeah. If I can, I can leave. <laughs> Yeah, I, can, I was like, wait, I can leave. Yeah. So <laughs> I applied to my school. They accepted me yep. early with, uh, you just had to have over 90 credit hours and obviously, of course, be in good academic standing. Sure. And 
So I actually did not complete my senior year at UWL. A lot of people think I always share this story. A lot of people think I dropped out of college and just miraculously made it into chiropractic school. No, (laughs) that didn't happen. Yeah. I just essentially left early. And when I was at Palmer grad school for being a chiropractor, my first year, I was actually simultaneously able to finish my undergraduate degree while I was working on my doctorate degree. So they call it a three plus one program, especially if there's anybody listening that might want to go into a pre-professional program or something like dentistry or optometry. Look if the school has a three plus one program, because I couldn't believe it. Obviously they don't advertise that a ton because it saves a lot of people a lot of money. But when I found out about that, I was like, we're doing it. Sign me up. Say lots. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that actually is I, now that I remember that too, I think they have something with that with engineering at UWL yeah. as well. Cause I think my buddy Ryan did that. He actually finished at Madison then for right. his degree in engineering. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's super cool. So, you know, it, obviously going through that process and moving to Iowa from UWL, obviously you set up, you know, you make a lot of friendships, you build a lot of professional connections, things like right. that while you're there. Was that an adjustment for you? Because you weren't, you know, you weren't that far from home, right? Where where you went to to UWL, but moving to Iowa is a little different animal. How was that like moving to Iowa um, and and kind of having to reset up shop in a new place? Yeah. So I so growing up, I'm originally from Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, which is only about two and a half or two hours from La Crosse. So I yeah. could go home on the weekend. I could see my family. It wasn't hard, but sure. Iowa from my hometown was five hours away. And so that is the farthest away that I had been from home. But I always knew like I wanted to leave home. I, I, I yeah. told my parents, you know, hey, I'm not going to college around here. I'm going to get the full experience. And yeah. the hardest part wasn't leaving my family truly because I'd always planned on that. And I've shared this yeah. before, but the hardest part was leaving all of my friends. And my friends did not understand at the time. And unfortunately, I'm not friends with anybody that I went to undergrad with except for like one girl. But yeah. None of my friends understood. And me. And you. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, go on. But none of my friends understood. Okay, why Why is Kelsey forfeiting her senior year? It's the best year of our lives. Maybe they were taking a super senior mm-hmm. year. Like, why is she leaving? Sure. And I just knew that, well, I still got, you know, three, four years of school left. Like, I just want to get this done. And so yeah. I share openly on my, you know, social media that, Everybody always tells you going to college, like you're going to meet your best friends. These are going to be your friends for life. You're going to do reunions with them. You're going to get together with them. And it was so hard for me to be hit with reality in the face when I left my, my undergrad school that I'm not going to be friends with any of these people. And it wasn't because we were, you know, like we had a falling out or anything. Kelsey's doing something different with her life and her friends didn't want to be involved in that. And that's okay. And so the hardest part was, oh my gosh, I'm a freshman again. I have to make friends again. I just did this like three years ago. Sure. So I know I can do it again, but I didn't, I wasn't planning to do it again. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think that's a really good lesson for a lot of people too, is you know, you have to find your community too. So it it doesn't mean that you don't have steps along the way, right? High school is one of them, you know, college, right? Your, your undergrad at UWL was one of them. But I think for you, you know, your, your big goal was always chiropractic school, right? And so for you, you obviously established these friendships, you know, you had great experiences at UWL, but for me, it kind of sounds like that still wasn't your group yet. You know, that still wasn't your community that you were going to, you know, uh, like, like, 
set up shop with, so to speak. So exactly. And if you think about it, it's not a bad thing that your friends in undergrad are doing so many different things. Somebody's yeah. going to school to be an accountant. Somebody's in business. Somebody's a teacher. Some, you know, there's so many different things. Sure. And I was really the only one in my friend group that was like, okay, pre-professional exercise science, nose in the dirt all the time. Yeah. Like you were grinding through school, taking however many anatomy classes at one time. But I knew that, you know, and I was very happy I did that because it made chiropractic school a lot more attainable. I won't say easier, but yeah. attainable. So I just had to be okay with, you know what? These are my people for a short-term period. People come into your life for a reason, a season, a blessing or a lifetime. And yeah. those people were just seasons and they they taught me a lot, but that, that was very difficult for me being like, okay, I'm the new kid. I have no friends, yeah. but- Everyone at chiropractic school was in the same boat. Nobody knew each other. Yeah. So it was much easier to make friends when I got there. Did you feel like that that time when you moved to Iowa and where you didn't know as many people, did you feel like that was a time in your life where you were able to like refocus and really kind of hone in what you wanted in life? I know you all, you always, you know, from when I met you, you, I think you had a very clear path in mind for what you wanted to do, but did you almost feel like moving away allowed you to kind of eliminate distraction sit down with just you and go okay you know I got to make time for school I got to focus on these things like in retrospect do you find yourself grateful for that period of time absolutely I I definitely I wouldn't say it was ever lonely because you're always around yeah sure I mean you we say you go to war together so it was one of those things where I wasn't ever alone, but I think that the clarity of, okay, you know, what are the qualities that I want to attract in, in people who are my friends? What do I really want to do with the rest of my life? Not just Kelsey as the chiropractor, but what do, what kind of impact do I want to have? Yeah. And that starts with developing those relationships with people around you or making connections to know those people around you. So I'm very, yes, I'm very, very grateful hindsight for that time. Even when I was in the moment, I never thought I was going to get through it. Yeah, absolutely. And and I would I would say too, you know, obviously you go from there to Alabama afterwards, but you you obviously finish up at Palmer then and mm-hmm. you become a chiropractor. I, I think it's important for some of the people listening because there's people in a, a bunch of different allied health fields, or there's people that maybe are kind of unsure about, you know, what what it looks like, how rigorous it really is to become a chiropractor. Yeah. What did that look like semester to semester? I know that you had trimesters, I remember you saying, and then you had board exams that you had to take periodically. What was the process while you were at chiropractic school um, for becoming a chiropractor and eventually taking your, you know, your board's exams and things like that? Right. Um, Also, I just realized something too, that we totally met like in 2016. It wasn't 2018 or 19. Like I thought it was, it was way before that. Oh yeah. There we go. Myself here, but I I started, it's all a blur at this point. It's I feel like, especially with COVID happening, like there's like what 2020 wasn't one year ago. No, it's 2023. Yeah. Just done. Yeah. So I started at Palmer in, um, I started at Palmer in October of 2018. So there is 10 trimesters entirety. So trimesters are four months long. You go all year round. So very minimal breaks. You might get a week off at Christmas, maybe a month if you're lucky in the summer, but you are going to school full time. That is your job. And so with 10 trimesters total, that is your schoolwork to just say, okay, I am a licensed doctor of chiropractic, but then not only do you have to complete that, you also have to complete five national board exams. So these happen throughout your time in school. So a lot of other medical professions, you take your board exams after you're done with school. In chiropractic school, you take them simultaneously. So the first part comes around fifth try or so. 
parts mm -hmm. two, three, and PT are roughly around like seventh, eighth ish try or so. Yeah. And then uh, part four, which is your clinical competency exam, comes in anywhere from your ninth try to the your tenth try, depending on yeah. the year and how it falls. So not only was I, you know, taking I wish I could remember the exact number off the top of my head. I think the most rigorous semester I had was 32 credits. Oh my god. And UWL, the max you could take was 18. And you had to yeah. get approval from like four different people to do yeah, that. Yeah, you had to talk to the advisors and yeah. Right. And they had to be like, listen, Tyler, that's yeah. probably not a good idea. Right. Yeah. No, Palmer did not care. There were just like yeah. 32 credits. Here you go. And cool. so of course that wasn't every single trimester. Sure. But it was frequently. And so yeah. when you complete all of that and you're simultaneously doing board exams obviously you can figure out that that's your full-time job and you live and breathe that consistently <laughs> yes yes and and that's crazy do you feel like do you feel grateful for that structure too because i feel like you know with such a rigorous schedule like that it, it, i i think a big thing that a lot of people probably wonder about you is you you're involved in so much right when i talk to you you're creating content and you're a coach and you're a chiropractor and you're an athlete for first form. Did you feel like having rigorous semesters like that? Cause some of the times people are like, Hey, I don't know if college really prepares you for the real world, this or that. But I think from a time management standpoint, did you feel like some of those semesters, those trimesters prepared you for what you do now? And it feels a little bit more like you can handle more that way. Absolutely. I would say that Palmer is one of the main areas in my life that, or a period of my life, if you will, that taught yeah. me how to cultivate discipline. It sure. was, yes, exams were structured. I mean, we would have exams and I kid you not every single day of like an entire week's period. Yeah. And then you'd get like maybe two or three days off and it was exam, 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 or quiz or so something consistently. Yeah. And so, you know, when you have four exams in a class and you're taking eight or nine classes in a trimester, that's yeah. almost, it feels like an exam every day of the tribe. Yeah. And so given that my life was so structured, it helped me. Okay. You know, from this time to this time, kind of like time blocking, I'm yeah. going to go to the gym and I have time to work out. Okay. Between yes. here and there it's class time and it's, it's work time. And then, okay, here, you know, I'm going to wind down. I'm going to study, do those things. So yes, cultivating a schedule and yeah. learning to operate off of a schedule. Absolutely. I would say the only one downfall is having so much structure like that for so many years. I'm yeah. really bad at taking time off or I'm really bad at taking off days. And yeah, like doing out. nothing. Yeah. yeah. If, if I'm doing nothing, I'm sitting on the computer and like editing a video or something sure. like that. Sure. And that's not nothing. That's still yeah. something. And so it's definitely a learning process to figure out now, okay, what does Kelsey's new structure like look like? But I also started to respect, you know, other people gave me structure then and I yeah. give myself structure now. Yeah. So there's a very big difference, but sure. had I not been as disciplined as a person as I was going into chiropractic school and the discipline I was able to cultivate, it would have been a lot harder. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really cool too, you working with clients or patients now because you understand the extremes of it. I think that's a oh. really big thing to be able to speak to because sometimes people are like, look, too much structure is too much structure. And I agree. But at the same time is, I don't think you really know what you're capable of from a structure standpoint, how much you can really squeeze, um, you know, squeeze into your schedule and accomplish until you push yourself to your limits. Clearly, you know, someone like Kelsey a little bit further, can take yourself a little bit further, but I think it's a really good lesson for any patient or client. Like, look, look at all she had going on. 
she still found time to work out, still found time to sleep, maybe not as much, right? But like, you know, still yeah. found time to do all these things. And now you kind of are able to now step back from that and go, okay, where's my healthy median for what I want to accomplish? And I didn't have the time I had to make the time. And yeah. had, oh, I, yeah. never, had I never had that rigorous of a schedule, I also wouldn't have learned how to make time. I really yeah. truly wouldn't have. I would have always thought like, okay, tomorrow's the day, Monday's the day, next yeah. month, the, the first, whatever it may be. I always, before that had operated on, I'll do it when I get there or when yeah. time slows down. Sure. And grad school was such a healthy dose of, Kelsey, your life is never going to get less busy. It's only going to get yeah. busier. So it's your job to figure it out. And kind of when I was forced with that, you know, this is the ultimatum. This is a non-negotiable, either you're getting your doctorate or you're not type of thing. It was really productive for me to be able to grow through that. I think that's cool. And and a coach that I really like, he talks about the illusion, the, the illusion of choice. And I think that is really what it sounds like you learned in grad school was like, look, yeah, you think you have all these decisions, but really when you, it comes down to it, there's only one way, right? Like if I want to make it through school and fitness is a priority and my family's priority and whatever, insert whatever the thing that is important to you is a priority. You might think you have all this time in the world to do it whenever you want, but realistically, yep. you don't. You Correct. know, you got to do it now. So yep. I think that's really cool. So so out of there, right? Like you you finished chiropractic school then. You're yep. in Alabama now, right? I believe. Yes. And and yep. and so why did you decide Alabama? Obviously, like most people that think of like Bama, right? They think of this big football school. Uh, big sporting school for you. How, how did you decide? Cause I know part of what you, we discussed last time was you had some professional experiences in college, I believe um, yep. that, that you were working in the South. How did you pick Alabama afterwards? So it's, it's really crazy to say that. So I picked Alabama afterwards. They picked me yeah. first and oh, it, cool. kind of, I know it's kind of crazy. So when you're in chiropractic school, you have the opportunity. So your last eight months of school, so two trimesters, yep. the only way you can leave eight months early is if you go serve the nation's veterans at a VA hospital. So sure. with my Very dad cool. being a veteran, it was, and myself, you know, just not having the ability to serve. It was the closest way that I could give back to what my dad did for our country and what all of our other veterans do for our country. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to apply to the VA rotation. You have to be selected for it. It's a significant vetting process. You have to go through interviews and then locations reach out to you if they want you in your skill set. And so along the way, uh, my boyfriend, Logan was actually here in Tuscaloosa four months before me. And he just kind of was chatting up with the doc and he said, you know, she, she's really, really, really great at what she does. And you could, you and the practice could benefit from having her here. And so I came down here again, being selected for a VA rotation, fell in love with the South. Uh, I loved the weather. I loved the town. Yes. This, the stereotypical, this is a college town is so true. Yeah. There's, you know, football is really big here, but it's a beautiful town. And I, had such terrible misconceptions about Alabama before moving here. Yeah. I thought it was going to be backwoods. It was all hillbillies. There was like, there was not going to be anything to do. Everybody is playing a banjo on their, on yes. their front step type of thing. Yeah. It's like, you know, go like an hour away from here. <laughs> you can find that. But yeah. <laughs> everyone is so nice and Southern charm is real. And so yeah. when I was fortunate enough to do four months here. And then I also did four months in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Yeah. I love Louisiana as much as just there wasn't a ton there for me, but I met and networked with a lot of really, really great providers here in Tuscaloosa. And to the point where it landed me a job opportunity after I graduated. 
And I just decided, well, okay, Kelsey, you know, you don't want to go home and it's Wisconsin's cold, right? Yeah. You don't live in Wisconsin anymore either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get, I get it. I get it. I, I see the snaps and like, it's three degrees. I'm like, it's 63. It feels cold here. You know? Exactly. And I have a jacket on, Yeah. but I just decided, you know what, if you don't like it, you can go home, you can go back. Yeah. And so I chose to make the difficult decision to move 15 hours away from home. Yeah. And I thought five hours was far in grad school. It's even farther now, but yeah. it's because of being very uncomfortable and taking opportunities, you know, I really didn't know a ton about and yeah. coming down here on a whim, on a man's word, on a doc's word that I worked for, yeah. it absolutely changed my life. And this is a place I get to call home now. Yeah. And I think that's so cool. It's a really good lesson for anyone listening to about networking while you're in college. Yes. You know, obviously what you learn, your coursework, things like that. So important, right. For, yes. for building a foundation, but the people you connect with are ultimately going to be able to determine how far you can get. Right. Unless you're really, really good. Even the people that are really, really good. Right. They, they yes. need to know someone, they need to be connected with someone. So I think that's super cool. I want to go into something because I, I just thought about it right off the bat when you were talking yeah. about making that 15 hour move. Did you struggle like when you moved and, and again, same kind of deals when you, you moved to Iowa, but you're even further this time. What was that like? I know obviously you had your boyfriend then, so that was probably helpful, but did you find yourself sometimes being homesick? Like what were some of the things that you encountered when you move or were you just more well-prepared this time? I think it was much more well-prepared because yeah. again, being around people at chiropractic school, you are, you're never alone. You're with people all the time. And yeah. I think I was, I was so ready to have my own schedule, my own space, be yeah. by myself. Honestly, this is going to sound terrible, but I was ready to not be told what to do every single day yeah. by a professor. You know, I could yeah. just live my life. I could treat patients the way that I wanted to treat patients. And yep. at that point I had matured so much through my clinical skills. I was just ready. I was sure. ready to go and to be put to the test because although my schooling prepared me very well from a standpoint of, okay, a patient walks in my office. Do I know what to do and appropriately triage them? Yes. However, accurate diagnostics of patients and sure. see volume of patients yeah. that was from my own experiences going to the VA and going to Lake Charles and doing those different things. So I was just, yes, I was much more prepared. Was I, was I scared a little bit, but I think yeah. that it was a healthy dose of fear. I think I was scared because yeah. it was finally what I wanted to do. And it felt like I just blinked and three years was here. And I yep. was I was moving out and I was, I was doing the dang thing. I think yeah, that you're that hooking up the U-Haul and you're like, Oh my gosh, like yeah. it's here. It's here. Yeah. So I was ready more than anything. I wasn't sad for leaving or anything. I said, no. my parents and my family can come visit. It's warm here. Sure. You know, it's, the sun shines. This is I the didn't destination people want to visit. Yep. Yes. No, I love that. And, and so I, I think that's, ready. Yeah, no. And I think that's super cool too, because, you know, making that move, you, you think like moving that far away, but yeah, you were ready to apply all the skills that you had learned in school, all the skills that you had learned in your experiential learning um, yes. that you had had at the different hospitals. What was the biggest learning curve for you when you started really, because I know you worked at, um, you've been working in, in practices for quite a while now. What was your biggest learning curve? Because I think that's another thing too, is I think people think, when you get done with school, you're like, okay, I am now a chiropractor or I'm a, I'm a fitness coach or I'm a PT. I'm ready to go. And to some degree, that's true, right? You have a lot of exposure, but what did you feel like your, your biggest learning curve was when you started practicing 
for yourself and you're talking about larger volumes of patients like did you ever feel overwhelmed like what the hell is going on like how was that absolutely I felt overwhelmed I think if you don't feel overwhelmed you're a psychopath and something's wrong (laughs) and you (laughs) don't care right yeah yes of course I felt overwhelmed I share the story that in my first clinical week of practice, actually like week and a half, I caught an active heart attack. And that's something that you just never think that you're going to yeah. see. Or they tell you in school, these are the zebras. These things don't walk in your office. They're going to go somewhere else. No, yes. no, they sit no, it right might happen right there. Yep. Correct. They sit right in front of you. And so I think it was just one of those things where I knew it was always a possibility to see certain stuff. One, I didn't know it was going to be that fast. And I don't think anybody else thought it was yeah. going to be that fast, but sure. You see stuff that school tells you you're never going to see, or you see patients with conditions that, you know, are very rare that you, you don't think you're going to see. And it's just like, okay, well, well, I'm glad I paid attention in pathology or I'm glad I paid attention in whatever, you know, emergency procedures class that was. So I think it was just the, almost the shell shock of, I'm not in wellness care anymore. I'm in actual physical health care where- people walk in with real problems and real conditions and they're yeah. just looking for help. So they're no different sure. than people who just want wellness care, but it was kind of like, Oh, okay. So we're, we're doing this now. I'm now yeah. the one responsible for I'm doing this. Life. Yep. It's not the, the, the doc I'm working under. It's me. So yeah. it was a, again, another healthy dose of, of fear because yeah. you take your job very seriously and yeah. people try you with their health. And that's not something to be taken lightly. And, and yeah. once I kind of got through those first couple of weeks and the first couple sure. of months of practice, we're rocking and rolling now. We're yeah. Good. yeah. And I think that's, that's a big thing, right? Like you, you kind of get almost get that imposter syndrome in the beginning when you first start doing what you do, because you're like, oh man, like all these other people know what they were, they know what they're doing and they've yes. always known what they're doing. And, and it's just not the case. I think what 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 you bring up in that is like all these different cases of this and that, maybe some things that don't even fall under your scope of practice, right? People walking right. in for whatever. What? How would you say like for people that are listening is, I know you're so big on building your professional network. Yes. How do you go about doing that? Because you're obviously having patients come in for a million different things. Same thing in fitness too, right? You might be like, hey, you need a health intervention. You don't need a fitness intervention, right? So how have you gone about surrounding yourself with other good professionals in other field and like kind of speak to that? Great question. So I really just started to learn, okay, what is my skill set? What am I very good at? And, and why am I good at that? Right. My expertise is musculoskeletal health. There is, you know, that that's what I know, like the back of my hand and what I can treat really great. Guess what? I don't treat really great things like diabetes, things yep. like internal medicine, you know, it's, it's not my scope of practice, just like you said. Sure. So one of my first goals was, all right, I'm going to become really good friends with a primary care physician here. Cool. I'm going to meet a primary care physician. I'm going to get in touch with a neurologist because there again are things that are outside of your scope of practice. Yes. Sure. I can order an MRI, but should I be the one reading the MRI? Probably yeah. not. So yeah. I want a neurologist to do that. Or, you know, if I, if I've got somebody that comes in right after a car accident type of thing. I need to get them to the appropriate place. So I thought, okay, in my head and the help working at the VA vastly helped with this too. Sure. Walks in with X condition. That's not my scope of practice. How can I appropriately triage them? Yeah. And I just started meeting with providers in the community. And I said, Hey, you know, you do this. I do this, you know, they're two separate things, yeah. but we still can collaborate and we can still work together. Here's what I can do for you or what, what do you not like to treat? That would be really helpful to have a musculoskeletal provider to look at. And 
that has worked phenomenally. There's a great primary care I work with on a day-to-day basis. Anybody who has just low-grade back pain that doesn't seem like anything serious, they're going to get a referral over to me and for me to look at them. You know, yes, he could prescribe a whole bunch of medications, but he's like, hey, let's let Kelsey take a look at you and really truly figure out what's going on. Sure. And, but again, that's because I went and said, hey, I know I'm not, I know I'm not treating diabetes. Your scope of practice. And I just established that relationship with providers that I respected where they were. I was not trying to step on their toes all I was trying to do is, hey, how can I serve you? Or here's yeah. what I can help you with. And they were so receptive to that. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's a really important lesson too for anyone listening. It's like, it, it takes so much humility and it takes so much professionalism to walk into someone in another scope, to walk into their practice and be like, look, this is what I'm really great at. Yep. You know, I do this at a high level, but I realize I get people come in here that have this or they need help with X or Y. Yep. I want to go to you. And I think in doing that, it's really cool because what, what I've noticed is when I do that with people is the, the humility is almost contagious because they go, oh yeah, when I get a client like this, I know Tyler does X or Kelsey does okay. Y, right? And so okay. you build a really good professional network where everybody wins, right? You get referrals, you give out referrals, the client and the patient, they get the best care possible. And on top of it too, you're, you're still allowing the patient to be a part of the decision instead yeah. of just keeping them there or the client and saying, you know, no, actually like I can do this fully yeah. known, you might not be able to do it to hundred percent, nor should you do it to hundred percent. Yeah. You're giving the client or the patient autonomy to still be in no and involved in their care. And that's, that's so huge too. And like we talked about on the last podcast too, we said how, <laughs> you know, really all it is, is it's solving people's problems. Yeah. Caring about the if you've thought about building a gym but don't know where to start, don't worry, we've got you covered. At Modus Equipment and Design, we partner with some of the biggest brands like Kaiser, Powerblock, and Free Motion Fitness to help you build the gym of your dreams. From the smallest home project to the largest commercial project, Modus has you covered. All Sober Performance Podcast listeners can save an additional 7% off all Modus products by visiting modusgyms.shop and entering promo code Kelsey Arneson Fitness at checkout. Thanks and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Yes, providing a solution. And let's say that, you know, I come to you as a, a personal training client, but I keep consistently complaining about one of my eyes or some things, you know, something's yeah. just wrong. And you say, well, you know what? Actually, I know a really good optometrist. I'm going to trust you so much more in the future sure. when I have a problem, even if it's not something that you have the solution for, because you appropriately got me where I needed to go or you got me the information that you did. And that's what it's all about. It's about the ability to step back and say, I don't have the answer, but I know someone who does. And let yeah. me, get you, let me get you associated with them. And yeah. there is no bigger trust builder than that right there. There is yeah. no bigger rapport builder than being able to take off doctor hat, put yeah. on human Kelsey hat and just have that conversation. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I think you I think you really speak to where I hope the the future of health and fitness goes for the most part is we, we need to be concierge for people almost, right? You can be really, really good in what you do. Do it well, do it at a high level. But yep. the moment it starts to get into that gray area, collaborate and and be the concierge you know by building those professional networks you're gonna know a little bit about a lot and then when you do that you can really make sure that you peg these people into the right you know type of care 
thousand percent. I mean, it's yeah. just like, you know, a patient came to me and she said, Hey, you know, I, I have these certain goals, but my, you know, my primary care is wanting me to see a registered dietitian. I said, well, that's great. If your cool. primary care suggested that you see a registered dietitian, let's do that. That's yeah. awesome. Because although I can provide you the basics about nutrition on sure. a you know, patient provider working yeah. relationship, let's get you to somebody that does this every single day and does yes. it very, very well. Yes. And, and that's, it's also knowing like when your scope of practice, it goes into more of a clinical situation, right? Like yeah. I know that with nutrition coaching all the time, I, I do have to always take a step back when I'm dealing with someone that has like, you know, I, they're showing signs of disordered eating and things like that. It's like, sure. look, you know, nothing but love for you as a client, but I got to make sure I'm doing right by you. You know, maybe nutrition coaching isn't the solution, right? Maybe getting with a registered dietitian, maybe needing um, with a counselor, right? Like someone, someone in mental health, yes. that can also be a really important thing to have in your network as well. And because if you don't give them that answer, they will go seek it from someone else. Someone yeah. else will give them the answer. And if you could have been the opportunity just to give them that answer, you, that changes everything for them. Again, they're, they're going to yeah. come back to you in the future. So you're totally right. And just talking about, you know, humility and just being a good human, still doing the right thing even if you're not going to monetarily yeah. benefit from it sure. whatsoever. Yeah. It's weird too, because if you think about it, when people come to you for, uh, you know, a fitness solution to a health problem, think about this. If you don't do a good job of referring them out to, they will blame you for not getting where you want to go. Cause they, they think in their head, oh man, this is part of their scope. I needed this done. They couldn't do it. And so, yes. so negative yeah, you got to really know where that. Yes. Negative word of mouth spreads much for faster. Sure. For sure. <laughs> So we, I want to go into, so obviously you work as a, as, as an online coach, you work as a chiropractor. We kind of talked yeah. about that piece. You're a first form athlete, right? You coach through that platform. Can you share a little bit about, about kind of the fitness side of things, you know, obviously kind of moving out of the chiropractic stuff, putting on your coaching hat now. Yeah. Super cool. First form's an awesome company. Can you share a little bit about that and kind of your, your coaching journey with, with them and maybe your coaching journey even before them? Sure. So I started my business as a health and fitness coach when I was about 20 years old. I was still yeah. at UWL. I was a junior in uh, college and I had no idea what I was doing. I had not a clue, not a single sure. clue what I was doing. And I yeah. also think it's important to tell people, I used to be very embarrassed to tell people this, but I, I do think it's so important now because it was such an integral part of my journey that I actually yeah. came into health and fitness coaching through network marketing. Yeah. Not, not ideal by any means, but sure. here's the thing. I would have never started my Instagram page. I would have never started my public social media yes. had I not, you know, had someone show me, okay, here's the things that you do. Here's what you're going to post. Here's what you're going to talk about. So I didn't stay with that company for very long by any means and quickly found out, okay, I can share my journey the way that I want to. But again, it was a catalyst. And I think it's really important for you to recognize the things that got you to where you are now. So yeah. I just started sharing my fitness journey on health and uh, like and health and fitness on social media. I would post my workouts. I would share recipes. Yep. I would say, Hey, with a busy schedule, taking 32 credits, here's how I still get a workout in. Here's how I still make time to go to the gym and how sure. I make time for healthy meals. And I am still so proud to this day that there was not a single week, even with finals, there was not a single yeah. week in my entire three and a half years at Palmer that I took a week off the gym. Sure. And that can mean so many different things to other people. So cool. You know, some some days it was just walking, some days it was weight training, whatever that may be. But I showed people through my platform how to maintain consistency. Yeah. And that took me through most of my entire time at Palmer. So I took personal online one-on-one -on -one clients where I have a nutrition coach and I would yep. train them. And that was all my own business until sure. 
back in September of last year, First Form had reached out to me and they said, hey, Kelsey, you know, is there any way that you'd want to be affiliated with our brand? Do you want to come on mm-hmm. and be an athlete for us? And yeah. being an athlete versus an elite athlete, different thing. But anyway, regardless of what that means, it, you know, an athlete is just someone that represents their brand. And yeah. when I got reached out to by them, I probably passed out on the floor because yeah. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. I was like, me, like seriously, me, yeah. because what a lot of people don't know is being an athlete for first form was on my dream board for four years. Yep. And was I doing anything actively to work towards it? Not really. I was just showing up as myself and happened sure. to be living by their core values. And so yeah. when they reached out to me and they said, Hey, you know, do you want to come on and be a part of the team? And I found out there was an opportunity to coach through their platform. It took me about two seconds to say yes. And so now I have fully transitioned all of my own personal clients that I was coaching over to First Forms platform. So I don't have Kelsey Artisan Fitness anymore. Um, Everything now we've transitioned over to what we call the Invictus Core. And so um, that's been a really fun journey over the last year and a half. And honestly, it's grown 10 times faster than my personal business ever did. So I was very weary about, I talk about how you, you can take an engine and you can hook your train onto it. And I yeah. really didn't want to do that because I wanted to be self-made and I wanted yeah. to do it all. But I realized, cause you don't have to, you yeah. really don't have to, you can let other people help you. And sure. when I could finally cultivate and create the culture that I wanted, because it was already developed within a company, yeah. it was super, super easy for me to say, all right, first forms the way that I want to go. So that's sure. Sure. And I think that's super cool. Cause I think the the bigger thing than even just having your own personal brand or this or that, it's like finding your people. And that's the thing too, is by hooking your train, you know, your, your car up to, to someone else's train, like you go further. I mean, you do, it, it doesn't mean that you're not still, you it doesn't mean you can't still have your values, but if you're hooking yourself up to the right people, you know, you're going to go a lot further that way. You're going to, you're going to reach more people. So I think that's super cool. You had that experience. Would, would you say then too, I want to kind of get a little insight for, for maybe some of the coaches listening. What yeah. does some of that process look like? Because I think sometimes people do, they get into to coaching and they maybe go like the route I did where, you know, they do trainerize and they're kind of just figuring things out as they go. They don't have a major platform, like first form to go like, okay, this day we do check-ins. These are the days that we do sure. nutrition coaching calls. This is how to lay out exercise programs. What does that look like for you, maybe from a coaching side Um, and kind of share a little bit about that? Well, it was a lot of trial and error and it was mostly, it was a lot of years of me me failing and just being like, what am I doing? Why are my clients not getting results? Like what what is going on? And what I had to do is I had to sit back and say, all right, Kelsey, you got to take ownership in this. And I share this frequently that it's never how the client failed you. It's either how did you fail them or how did they fail themselves? And what I realized before first form, and I had most of this developed, like coming into first form, I always say, if you want to go fast, go alone, yeah. if you want to go far, go together. So yeah. we were able to go much farther together is, you know, I didn't have a set day for check-ins. I had no real onboarding call. Yeah. I was like, okay, you know, here's your macros for the week. Good luck. Like, hope, yeah. hope you'll do great with them. I'll see you in a week. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And yeah. same thing with workout programs. And then I really took a step back about two years ago and said, okay, 
if this person is trusting me with their health and fitness goals, one, I need to make sure that they come into this community and they're ready. If yeah. you only want to be coached at a one, I'm not the coach for you. But sure. if you want to be coached at a you know five, six, seven, all the way up to a 10, let's go, let's ride. I'm yeah. that coach for you because I will sure. not drag you to success. And yes. that's another thing that I learned is I was dragging a lot of clients towards success that they just didn't want to have. Yeah. They, they weren't impossible people. They were just not yet people. They just weren't there yet. Yeah. They weren't there yet. And so knowing the difference between, okay, how do I get a client into the process on the plan and executing so that now I'm so far into my journey that I've actually had clients come to me, work with me, maybe a year and a half, two years, and now they're out on their own doing it all by yes. themselves and they no longer sure. need me. And yeah. I thought when I came in, I was like, my clients are going to be with me for life. And then I yeah. quickly realized I don't want that. I want you don't them want to make to them dependent. Yeah. No, I want them to be able to be independent. And my goal is always that I can educate them so much that yes. they could go teach their mom how to do it. They could go teach yes. their sister how to do it. And guess what? If they sure. want to start coaching and they want to do that, they great. Do that I'm too. here to support them. So I think that's a really roundabout way of saying one, I didn't have a very scheduled process of how to bring them in, how to take them through and how to see them go. Yeah. And secondly, I always was blaming it on everybody else and that it was everybody yeah. else's problem and had a really hard time looking internally and being like, well, Kelsey, they hired you for a reason. And if they aren't getting results, you know, yes, they very well could have failed themselves, but also where did you fail them? And Sorry. that also takes a massive amount of humility. It's much easier over the last couple of years, but yeah. the thing I was, I was banging my head against the wall trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And it's weird as the health and fitness professional too. You're like, I don't get it. It's so easy. It's just like this. I do it all the time. Yeah. And you don't realize like, man, I've had my whole life to cultivate these habits and right. this discipline. And, you know, obviously that's what I'm formally educated in. Why don't they get it? Yes. But I think you're speaking to such an important piece for anyone in any field is you can't make someone do something they don't want to do. And so the biggest thing is to make sure you can assess if someone's ready, willing, and able yep. to do what you need them to do and what they need to do to get to where they want to go. So I think that's Absolutely. a super cool piece that you spoke to there. I'm glad because for, like I said, for the first couple of years, I was always just like, why is everyone not yeah. doing what I want them to do? Well, I wasn't leading by example. I also yeah. wasn't showing them the way to do it. I wasn't setting any boundaries. I didn't have, yeah. I didn't have non-negotiables. I didn't have, you know, a culture to create. And now it's like, you come in from day one, you learn what we're doing. And if yeah. we're not, you know, and I, this is so cool. This is a full circle moment for you, Tyler. You probably didn't yeah. even realize this, yeah. that you gave me Urban Myers above the line. You gave me oh, that yeah. so many years ago. And we, what we talk about on the Invictus score is above the line behavior. And sure. what we're going to operate with is this is the standard. Here's how we run with it. If yep. you're not able to do that right now, we hold nothing against you, yep. but here's where we're at. And instead of everybody, it's just become, you know, some people, and we, we talked about this last time that the 30, yeah. 40, 30 rule, 30% are going to do whatever you tell them to do. Yeah. And 40% they're going to go either way, depending on how you lead them. And yep. then the other 30%, they're just the not yet people. So yeah. I'm sure you've realized this in your coaching too, that over yeah. the last couple of years, you've gotten more of that 40% to come versus go. Yes. But in the beginning, it was probably like 31% for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and think about it too, in the beginning, I'm sure you probably experienced this too. I, I laugh about it now. It's like, you're just, you're just trying to get people to sign up. Right. So you'll take anyone. You'd be like, family, this is probably a bad idea. All right, come on, we'll coach you. Friends that I know, you know, you can see just, you know, just knowing them as people, like they're not going to do any of this. All right, I'll take you. Um, oh, price point. 
oh, we'll keep it low. No. And it's like, you talked about building boundaries is like, the longer you do it, you go, okay, I have a process. This is what needs to be done to get people where they want to go. So you have to have yep. those minimums. You have to have those baselines where it's like, look, I need to have you at least do this or otherwise we can't even have a decent conversation about getting you to your goals. And would you rather be, you know, me, a client leaving you a review and say, yeah, I mean, like Tyler's cool, but he, he really lets me get away with kind of anything and everything that I want. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just kind of like here or the alternative of no, Tyler sets me a game plan. I know what yeah. I have to do. He's going to hold me accountable. And if I don't execute, then we're going to work on to the point where I can execute. Everybody yeah. wants a second review. So you setting boundaries and you setting minimum standards for your your clients and your community, it is not a selfish thing. No. I think it is a selfless thing because they have trusted you enough to take them on that journey. Yep. You you can't just give half your effort towards it. If you give half your effort, they're given half of half of your effort. Yeah, no doubt. And I think that's a really important thing to speak to too, is like, that's what people do that care about you. Like think about this in a relationship or professional, whatever it is, if you just let people get away with everything and you don't have like a standard for them, boundaries between you and that person, yep. they're just going to, you know, you're just going to get taken advantage of. And the thing is, they're also not going to get to where they want to go. So you're going to want to pull your hair out. And they're also going to be sitting there like, well, what the heck did I sign up for? What's going on here? Yes, exactly. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself. So, yep. so no, that's great. So in all this kind of, we go down the coaching rabbit hole here, but um, love it. Absolutely love it. But so I want to get into, you're talking about social media. Yeah. Um, how did you go about organically growing your social media? Because that was one of the biggest thing I noticed about like following you is you can tell when people pay for clicks. You can tell when people pay for followers because oh, yeah. the response is it just looks bananas. Like some of the things they're saying, right? You're like, these people aren't interacting with this content. And when no. you look at Kelsey's stuff, right? Like when you look at your stuff, I always just see it's dialogue. It's dialogue. So these people are legitimately following you based on the content that you built for them and you built an organic following. How'd you go about doing that? Yeah, well, that's something that I'm really, really, really proud of. And to always yeah. say that, you know, I never paid for my followers. I never paid yeah. for, you know, any any service or anything like that. It was 100% organic the entire time. And is it as fast as other people? Absolutely not. But is it real people? 100%. Yeah. Now, do sure. I still have bots that come to my page? Of course. Yeah. And it's always going to happen. But sure. I just sure. tried to consistently provide value. And one thing that I've, I think is really powerful that I've always had the ability to do, and I encourage people listening to this to do as well, is what did you need to hear when you were starting your journey? Or yeah. what things that maybe you overlook every single day in the gym, such as how does the deadlift like an RDL form differ from a good morning? We yeah. all know that the weight is not in the same place sure. and you really don't feel the same things, even though your client's understanding that they're working similar muscles, Yeah, little things like that. How can I provide value? And that's sure. what I do every single day at the end of the day. I go back and I watch my story or I'll go back and I'll look at my post and then I say, what did I do to provide value today? I'm yeah. not just sharing memes. You know, I'm not sharing random yeah. things. I'm sharing, Hey, guess what? Monday morning, I missed my alarm. I did not wake up on time, but I'm put, brought my tennis shoes. I put them in my car in between patient notes. I'm outside getting my outdoor walk-in that I yeah. promised myself I would do. Sure. And then the next day I shared how, guess what? Yesterday. Yeah. Was it ideal? Absolutely not. But today I'm breaking that cycle. I'm not letting it happen for two days. And yeah. guess what? I got up at four 30 this morning, got my workout done. I'm rocking and rolling. I'm ready for work today. I'm early. You know, I just try to share those things of one thing you'll find on my page is there's no fluff. There is yeah, no keep it real. 
Oh yeah. There's no, my life is so perfect and I never struggle. No, it's struggle all the time. We're, we yeah. are driving the bus. Okay. Yeah. Every day, but people relate to that. And when yeah. you provide value through struggle and I don't just get on and I don't let it be a dumping ground. I don't dump all that. Now. Yeah. Yeah. If I have something maybe negative that happened within the day, I'm going to share a positive. And over the last five years, I guess 50,000 people wanted to listen to that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is really cool. And I think it, I think it takes a, we were talking about kind of the humility piece and that is like sharing the whole part of the journey is like, I think what you were talking about struggle, struggle is like the ultimate connector for people, right? Absolutely. So they, they, what people don't want is I think a lot of time people in the health and fitness space, they're worried a lot more about what their peers think of their content than they are about the people they're trying to help. So yes. when you, when you listen to their content, they're really jargony, hypertrophy this and da, da, da. it's like, who are you helping? And I think that's really helpful to people to realize like, look, you were trained in this and you still have things that come up on a regular basis where you got to make real time adjustments. It's not all sunshine and rainbows, but no. on the bulk of the message, you're doing what you need to do to get to where you want to go. And you're doing it sustainably in a way where you know, this is a, a sustainable road for yourself. Exactly. And I, I shared the other day, and this is, this is a hilarious story. And I really didn't think it was going to blow up that big, but yeah. I shared a story. It was a boomerang of me eating cottage cheese with strawberries or something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I yeah. said, if you need help hitting your protein goal on a day-to-day basis, here's a great way you can easily add that in. Yeah. And people were like, wow. cottage cheese has protein. You know, people yeah. lost their minds about it. But again, I wasn't saying, okay, here's all the macros. Here's all the things. Like, here's all the things I yes. want to do. Here's, here's a full day of eating, right? I'm saying, if you want to get more protein in, because you yep. either have a weight loss goal and you know it's going to assist yep. you, or you have a muscle gain goal, hey, cottage cheese is a really great way through a whole food sure. to get protein in. Simplify it. Yeah, Stop and said like a true Wisconsinite too. I love it. <laughs> you know me. You know I had to throw yep. cheese in there. Yep. but. Just make it simple, really keep it that simple, but ultimately still provide value in that. And that's, I'm sharing, yeah. okay, here's how I get closer to my goals. Sure. It's not some fancy $12 shake. It's yep. cottage cheese. It's very, yep. so it's, it's simple because we know as coaches, it's not hard, but it's hard if you don't have a clear path and yeah. all I'm trying to do every day of just here's, here's the path. It's not going to be easy. It is a struggle every single day but it's also attainable every yeah. single day. And, and I love that you're going back to like, what would the beginner need to hear? Because I think that's a, that's a thing we get disconnected with, right? When we only think about making content for our peers or something like that is we're like, we forget right. it, what, what it was like when we were first learning macros and we didn't know shit yeah. about food. Like I think about what I used to eat growing up, things like that. Oh. Like, man, the, the frequency in which I ate vegetables, maybe every once in a while out of a can, like I, I yeah. sometimes you forget that stuff. And sometimes people... You, you got to be able to make sure you're just reconnecting with your roots because I think it is super helpful to people um, and not making it a math equation too. I love that. Just like, look, yes. you need more protein. Here you go. This is what here you, you go. Here, here's a solution. And at the same time, we have to remember that. Okay. So generously, I'll give myself six years of a fitness journey, probably yeah. four seriously. Sure. I'm still new on my fitness journey too. Like yeah. I still in the grand scheme of things, I'm very new to this. So yeah. I can't show up and act like I know everything. I'm figuring yeah. it out, sure. but keep it simple. Keep it yeah. really simple. And think back, you know, what, what did you need to know? And if you can watch your story at the end of the day and say, I provided value, yeah. I promise you the people will come. 
And the people sure. who, you know, don't need to be there or who aren't going to be supportive aren't there. And that's, that's another thing I wanted to mention too, is yeah. when I started my fitness page, almost every single person I went to high school with unfollowed me. Okay. Yeah. Almost every single one. And I would yeah. hear when I would go home for the summer, I hated going home. Oh, Kelsey's back. I wonder what she's going to post on Instagram today. Sure. Right? sure. And it was just the, the mockery. Yeah. But I just kept my head down and I was like, well, you're not headed where I'm headed. And yeah. that's okay. And I wish you nothing but the best on your journey, yeah. but you aren't going where I'm going. And guess what? Almost all of those people still follow me. And yeah. a lot of them are now my clients or yep. they've reached out to me in some sort of way of health and fitness, you know, encouragement or advice. And so I never did anything out of spite. I will, I will no. never ever say that, but I was also just, you know, I was a person who basically said, all right, if you're not going to support me, I'm going to support myself. And the people along the way who came, do you think those 50,000 people are from my hometown? Absolutely not. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely not. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a really cool thing. And just like, I think it's so cool that you're just, you are who you are and you kind of drew that line in the sand. I think that's the thing too, where we, we do from like high school and, and from when we were growing up, we always have like these lists of people we're trying to, you know, maybe impress or put out content for. And then the, the further you get in your journey, you're like, man, like I'm trying to like impress people that are not even trying to do the things I'm trying to do. And the more you are authentic to you, the more you are like true to yourself and honest with what you're trying to do, you find all those people. And it's just like the community and the energy you get from those type of people versus like trying to convince other people to do something differently. It's, it's immensely better than trying to, to go that route. Thousand percent. The day I met Logan before we were even dating my boyfriend, he yeah. told me he goes, just a warning because we went to chiropractic school together. He goes, yeah. just don't take advice from somebody you wouldn't willingly trade places with. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, that's easy advice. And then sure. it just became I thought about, I really thought about it and I said, huh, yeah. would I really take advice from any from these people that quote unquote don't want to support me? Absolutely yeah. not. Do I want to trade places with them? No. So yeah. immediately. <laughs> I just stopped taking advice or stopped taking criticism from those yeah. people because I didn't want to give up my life to start living theirs. Yeah. So, and it's weird too. People think that like you have to support and like want, want to do what someone else is doing to like, just be happy for them. It's weird how some people are like that. It's like, look, man, I'm not trying to get you to do anything. No. This is just the way I live my life. And I hope you get yours too. But if exactly. not, and you don't support that, well, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yes. And it's, it's important for us to have different interests. It's important yeah. for us to, you know, to be able for to sure. support people in different facets. So yeah, you just kind of, I, like you said, you said it perfectly. I just drew the line in the sand. That was it. And we just moved forward from there. Yeah. I think that's great. So it, it's, it, it's 2023 now, you know, obviously the new year didn't happen that long ago. I think right. probably a really great way to finish this podcast is you know, Kelsey, for you looking ahead, right? Looking first, looking back on all you've, you've accomplished, it's been really cool to kind of sit down and, and kind of rehash out everything that's happened. A lot of accomplishments, a lot of things that you've overcome to get to this point, but thinking forward now, like what are some of your big goals for 2023, Kelsey? And what does that look like for you? Like for you to get to the end of this year and you had really accomplished something you wanted to, what would it look like? 
I said this last podcast and you can't see me, but my hands are starting to sweat because I get really nervous when yeah. I talk about my goals. And that's another yeah. that if your goals don't make you scared, they're not big enough. Yeah. I've shared this before, but I'm getting more public about it because I truly believe that what you put, put out into the universe is going to come back to you. And no doubt. my goal is that our, within our coaching business, that we can impact so many lives. I'm able to full-time leave clinical practice. And sure. that is your choice. You know, I, I love being a doctor. I love seeing patients, but I love giving my time to clients. And I thought getting into chiropractic, I would see a lot of healthcare and I still do see a lot of sick care. You know, there is a lot of sick care within chiropractic, but one of my favorite things about health and fitness coaching is everybody that's on our team has a want to get better. They know that they have to change to get to where they want to go and seeing that come to life every single day, every single week, months through our challenges, whatever it may be, that's the fire that fuels me. And so What would allow 2023 and what is going to happen is that we can do so many different things within the Invictus Corps that I'm able to leave practice full time and be at home, be, you know, I would love to own my own studio gym where I can duel as a chiropractic office if I want to, like, I don't own my own practice right now. I never like really thought I wanted to own my own practice. I love to have a studio gym and just have that as a service inside and be able to work for myself. I I love making my hours right now. I'm fortunate enough at the practice I'm at to make my own hours. Yeah. And I've had the luxury to do that. And I just want to continue to do that. So that is a huge thing that's on the horizon for 2023 is leaving full-time clinical practice or being able to replace the income that I make as a doctor with being a full-time health and fitness coach. Yeah. I think it's really cool too. You're talking about just kind of having the freedom. And I feel like this is always, I can tell when I'm talking to a mature like health and fitness professional or chiropractor or someone in healthcare is when you get to that point where you're like, I really love what I do, but I want to have more of a say in when I do it and how I do it. And I think there's really no other way to do it other than to find a way to make enough money in something you really, really love to make sure that you can have the freedom to do all the other things you want to do in the way you want to do them. So I think number one, pretty much from from the moment I met you, you know, you talked about being a chiropractor, you are, I don't see that not happening. Obviously, there's a lot of hard work that happens between now and then. But yeah. I, you know, I think I think knowing you, you're going to break it down into small, sizable goals, you know, across a year. And I'm really excited to see how that how that goes for you. Thank you. You know, and the, and the good part about it is, if I fall short, I still love my life. And I still, yeah. love what I, I still love what no I doubt. do. And I, I, yes. And I get the opportunity to do both and I have yep. the opportunity to do both. So, you know, that's exciting. I mean, obviously if it weren't for student loans, that'd be different, yeah. but there's another thing. There's another <laughs> yeah. thing there. But, there uh, we'll do a whole separate podcast on that. And no. yeah, <laughs> but it's just, uh, no, I I'm very blessed to be where I am. I'm very blessed to you know, lead the team that we lead and to be able to also have an incredible community like first form behind us. And, you know, I, I truly three years ago, Kelsey would have never believed that this version of myself is possible, but I, I love her so much. And I'm, I'm so proud of what we've been able to do. And I I'm just excited to keep changing lives. That's what it's all about is, you know, the people, the fact if you, if you're a coach and you're listening to this and someone has trusted you with their journey, that's not something to take lightly. You know, you, you have the opportunity within the palm of your hands to change that person's life. And it's your duty, your obligation, your responsibility to do so and to teach them how to do it too. Yeah. I love that Kelsey. And I, I'm going to just end on that note because um, that's some pretty profound stuff. Kelsey, thank you so much for coming on uh, today. Course. It was nice to connect. Um, 
Kelsey and I will have some cool, um, some equipment stuff coming soon. Yes, uh, we'll have to talk about that in another podcast for today. I wanted to talk about your journey. Um, Kelsey, for anyone that was listening today and wants to learn more about how to work with you, right? They're listening they're like, dang, I want to work with Kelsey. That sounds right up my alley. How would they go about finding you for coaching? And then what are some of your social handles too? Yes. So everything across the board, whether it's Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, it's all Kelsey Arneson Fitness. So first name, last name, fitness, super easy to find. And all of those in the bio uh, that I have linked has all of our, like our website and everything of how to get a hold of us. It's very easy to navigate. Okay, cool. And and for everybody listening to, I'll make sure I, I attach that in the, in the podcast notes so you guys can go over and find Kelsey. So Kelsey, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, connecting with you in the future and I wish you all the best this year and accomplishing all the goals that you laid out for yourself. I'm sure you will. Likewise, Tyler. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks, Kelsey. Okay. Hold on.